Hello, Girl Boss. This is your host, Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girl Boss. We have a great guest for you today. She's fashion industry leader, designer, and founder of Rebecca Minkoff, and her name is Rebecca Minkoff. And remember, if you like what you hear on today's show, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe, and tell a friend. Now I want to tell you a little bit about Prudential. They went across the country this year to see what financial challenges are most pressing for Americans today and a new project called The State of Us. It turns out 52% of women are more worried and more pessimistic about their financial outlook than men. One thing contributing to this stress? Hoping to save enough for retirement. If you haven't started setting aside funds, don't fret because it's never too late to start investing in your future. Head to Prudential for financial wellness tips. You can start practicing today at prudential.com slash state of us. Before we get to Rebecca, I also want to tell you a little bit about Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. It is a simple and intuitive way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. And what I love about Robinhood are there are no costs or commission fees, so you get to invest for free. Well, not really, because it's like your money, but like they don't charge you to invest. And it's really easy to understand. They have incredible informative charts and market data. And when you're ready to make a trade, you can literally just do it in four taps on your smartphone. I've been using Robinhood and it's incredibly easy to navigate. I think you'll love it. And Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at girlboss.robinhood.com. That's girlboss.robinhood.com. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long, we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girlboss Media, and this is Girlboss Radio. Rebecca Minkoff's accessible luxury designs have made her an industry leader in handbags, accessories, footwear, and apparel. She launched her brand in 2001 with an iconic capsule collection that landed her on The Tonight Show and became an overnight sensation. I had gone to some uh, artists convention in the Caribbean. And I liked how all the shirts were cut up and beaded. And I came back and I did that to an Isle of New York shirt. And my sister-in-law wanted one. I sent one to her. She was at dinner with Jen Elfman, who was on Dharma and Greg. And it was a pretty popular show. Now she's on Fear the Walking Dead. She requested one. So I made her one and I literally shipped it to her on September 9th, 2001. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited for her to wear it. And obviously no one knew that, you know, what was going to happen two days later. And she ended up wearing it on The Tonight Show on the 13th. And he asked her about the shirt and she said my name. In 2005, the morning after bag, a.k.a. the MAB, ignited Rebecca's career as a handbag designer. I don't think I knew what I was doing, but I was I didn't really have a choice. And started off on my own. I had a five-piece clothing collection. I was a stylist on the side to help pay the bills and just hustled for like four years. Uh, Felt like a hamster in a wheel. 
and was considering maybe being a bartender or something, just switching careers because I felt like I was just – nothing really was happening. And I just was going to add one bag as an accessory to the clothing line. And a friend of mine saw the bag that I had designed and was like, I'm going to get that into Daily Candy and I'm going to sell it to this boutique. And it was like wildfire. In 2009, Rebecca returned to her roots of apparel design, introducing her first ready-to-wear collection. Today, Rebecca Minkoff is a global lifestyle brand that spans ready-to-wear, handbags, accessories, footwear, jewelry, and watches. In addition to her design work, Rebecca likes to give back and is a huge proponent of fellow female entrepreneurs. In September 2018, she established the Female Founder Collective, a network of businesses led by women. Their purpose is to bring awareness to, support the expansion of, and invest in female-owned businesses. She also started hosting a podcast called Super Women with Rebecca Minkoff, and she started a line of t-shirts to support female-geared charities. Today, Rebecca is here to talk about how to build a business from the ground up, the power of engaging with your consumer, and how to navigate working with family. Now let's get to it. Here's my chat with Rebecca Minkoff. Thank you so much for joining me. And I like to start at the top of every episode with the same question. And, you know, we all have a start. And this podcast does highlight women who have achieved so much, but we all started somewhere. And so I'm so curious what your first job was. My first job was an ice cream scooper. I wanted to be able to drive and my parents wouldn't pay my gas money. So I worked at this little ice cream parlor and we mostly gave ice cream to people that were 80 years plus. Oh, where did you grow up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was first in San Diego and then we moved to Florida. So this part of my my life, that job was in Florida. If if you really want to take it back, I used to sell at the swap meet in San Diego. Um, I would make little bracelets and tie-dye shirts and my mom would have a booth selling um, workout gear and I would have a little table next to it selling basically nothing, but I displayed a lot of stuff and I got a kick out of trying to sell stuff. That's so sweet. Wait, so you, your mom was an entrepreneur? I guess you could say that. She worked with Amway. She had a nursing business, like a home health aid business. She somehow got excess stock of athletic gear and would sell it at the swap meet. She was a nurse. She was a lot of things. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, San Diego is such an idyllic place. I mean, you had two nice places with really nice weather to grow up. I actually was born in San Diego and lived there until I was about seven. So oh, wow. I wonder if we were born in we, the same hospital. Or <laughs> Mercy Hospital. Uh, Sharp <laughs> Memorial, I think. Okay. I think. So were you always interested in fashion as a kid? Did you, were you one of those kids that just loved getting themselves dressed and wore the tutu with the, you know, polka dot shirt with the knee high socks or, you know, where, where did you get your, your knack for fashion? It started when I was uh, very little. I loved putting outfits together. I can't say that looking back, there were anything, you know, to be excited about, but, um, when I was about eight, I wanted this dress that I had seen in the store. We were at the mall. And my mom said, no, I won't buy you the dress, but I'll teach you how to sew. And I hated hearing that. I really wanted her to just buy me that damn dress. Um, but when she started teaching me how to sew, it became something I was obsessed with. Um, and then as I went through puberty and got awkward and thinner and made fun of for being so thin and couldn't fit into clothing, I should be so, ups- you know, wish that was still the case now. I took solace in the fact that I could make my own clothes or I could alter them. And so that really gave me a lot of confidence. And it was something I just 
did in my spare time all the time. And so it sounds like your parents were really like, okay, you want this thing, you need to go earn this thing, which I think is such a great thing to teach kids and especially women because it allows us to be resourceful and not just be handed things. Do you think that, I mean, as tough as it is as a kid to be told no or you need to go scoop ice cream to drive a car, do you think that was an important part of your uh, development and ability to, to be an entrepreneur? I think it was probably the most important component. It totally makes you have to be someone that figures stuff out and knows how to figure stuff out that you don't know. And so I think, you know, moving to New York, starting a company, you just, you don't have some of the same fears that maybe others do because I had to figure out everything I ever wanted. And, and so the process of it is, again, not pleasant. You'd really love your parents to do what you think they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, it's, it's even a lesson I'm trying to teach my children, even though it's hard. Uh, to really figure out stuff for themselves. How old are your kids? Seven, four, and nine months. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize you had three. I, I guess you have been pregnant every time I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> pregnant um, or lactating, oh one of the God. two. I want to get into that because motherhood and entrepreneurship, I mean, it's enough just having a vagina, like it's a full-time job, but then having <laughs> things on the outside of it is a whole nother thing. I'm curious how you got started in fashion because so many people don't know how to break in, let alone have a line. Was there an early internship or did you just go straight into starting your own line? So I actually moved to New York from Florida when I was 18. I decided I wasn't quite ready to commit to college. And my brother knew a designer who lived in New York who made men's shirts for women that were very, very expensive. Um, And he said, do you ever have interns? And he said, yes. So I literally moved to New York with the promise of this internship, having never met anyone at the company and nowhere to live. A friend of mine said, you can live in my dorm room with me at Fordham. I'll sneak you in every day. And I literally packed up my two suitcases, this is going to date me, that didn't have wheels. Hmm. My mom was too cheap to buy me a plane ticket into JFK and or LaGuardia. So I got to fly into Islip. If you you live here, you know that's really far from New York. Is that in Long Island? Yes. Okay. So I had to take the subway in. um, Cut to, I get to the internship the first day. The CEO is like... You know, he hires a lot of pretty young girls, and I just want to make sure you know how to work hard. And I was like, oh, I'm going to prove it to you. Um, so I proved it to her, and she really put me to task, and she could see that I was hungry and wanted to learn the business. So by six months in, I said, I really like to work here. I think I have shown that I can work hard. You know, give me a job. So she did, and I ended up staying for three years. Um, and then I would work on my projects on the side. It was just something that if I had extra time at the office or when I get home, I'd go home, sew, make clothes, take them down to East Village Boutiques, you know, sell them on consignment, run to Union Square and pass out postcards, you know, promoting my line. And I really was just hustling in any way I could to get my creations out there. Um, So after 9-11, she fired me. She said, you know what you're doing, go do it. And so much tough it. love. You're so lucky. I'm surrounded by a lot of tough love. That's but I, I think it makes strong I think it makes people strong. Yeah. You know? And so she said, You know what you're doing, go do it. I don't think I knew what I was doing, but I was I didn't really have a choice. And started off on my own. I had a five piece clothing collection. I was a stylist on the side to help pay the bills and just hustled for like four years. Uh felt like a hamster in a wheel. Mm. 
and was considering maybe being a bartender or something, just switching careers because I felt like I was just nothing really was happening. And I just was going to add one bag as an accessory to the clothing line. And a friend of mine saw the bag that I had designed and was like, I'm going to get that into Daily Candy and I'm going to sell it to this boutique. And it was like wildfire. Um, Daily Candy wrote about it. The bag sold out of the boutique. I got a call for a reorder immediately. And that was the beginning of the bags. Rebecca has a super interesting story of how she started her company having to do with a 90s sitcom star, an I Love New York t-shirt, and The Tonight Show. I asked her to share the full, incredibly unique story of how her company originally got off the ground. I had skipped over that part, but as part of the clothing line, um, this was in 2001, I had gone to some uh, artist's convention in the Caribbean, and I liked how all the shirts were cut up and beaded and I came back and I did that to an I Love New York shirt and my sister-in-law wanted one. I sent one to her. She was at dinner with Jen Elfman who was on Dharma and Greg and it was a pretty popular show. Now she's on Fear the Walking Dead. She requested one. So I made her one and I literally shipped it to her on September 9th, 2001. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited for her to wear it. And obviously no one knew that, you know, what was going to happen two days later. And she ended up wearing it on The Tonight Show on the 13th. Um, and he asked her about the shirt and she said my name and, uh, the inbound interest about the shirt. And I was like, I'm donating everything to the Red Cross. I literally made that shirt for nine months straight in my, uh, apartment. That's all I did all day, every day was make that shirt. That's how like much the hunger was, I think, cause it really meant, it went, meant way more than, you know, it did prior to shipping it to her. Yeah. And so you have, you've really pulled yourself up from your bootstraps, from ice cream cones, from um, flea markets, from flying into Islip to staying at uh, <laughs> in your friend's dorm to interning and grinding and having a, such an interesting, it, so many serendipitous moments, but serendipity can only take you so far, right? Like, it's great to be like, oh my gosh, someone cares about what I'm doing, but the real difference is in execution and what you do next. And you've done such an excellent job of that. So, I mean, and on top of designing, you've had to learn how to do marketing sales, you know, work with retailers, I'm sure fulfillment and customer care and all of the things that I spent a really long time doing. So I understand that world. How did you learn those different parts of the business? I think that at first I didn't and I was trial by fire. You know, uh, I'll never forget one of my first shipments. I I was making some of the goods and, a, and another gentleman in his one room factory was making the goods and he was smoking cigarettes as he was manufacturing all the garments. And I shipped it to the store, Madison in LA. It was a $5,000 order. And I was so excited because that store was like really big. And um, I got a call from the owner and he's like, these garments smell like smoke. I'm I'm canceling the check and I'm sending everything back. So I think I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. And then when I became, uh, my, my brother decided to join the business and become the CEO, and he had an incredible business insights and business experience. And he joined about a year in when he could see that the momentum behind the brand was really increasing. And so for a minute, I took my eye off needing to learn the business side. And I was like, oh, thank you. Now I can just go focus on design. In hindsight, I really wish I had learned the business. I've obviously learned it now. But I think it was just messing up, figuring it out, 
and messing up again. And, and, you know, I think I did a lot of failing, um, but I'm lucky that I had a partner to lean on so that he could make sure I didn't, I didn't mess it up too bad. And so you mentioned working with your brother. So I want to just talk a little bit about that because working with family can be really tough. Why did you decide to work with Uri, who also has his own line, which is so interesting? So at first I called my dad and I was like, dad, the bags are selling out. I need the next, uh, I need some money to fund the next production. And he's like, that's great, honey. It's not going to happen. Uh, why don't you call your brother? He might have some good advice for you. So that's when I called my brother and he lent me, you know, enough money for the first deposit. And then, you know, as he could see it grow, he ended up mortgaging his house, maxing out his credit cards. We couldn't get a loan. We couldn't get a lease on an office. Like no one really thought we'd be anything. And so at that point, he's like, hey, I have a lot of skin in the game. My wife can't buy groceries. You know, we're going to become partners in this. And I was like, yes, we are. That's damn right. So um, that was kind of what happened. And he really worked remotely for the first few years and he would fly up and then he found himself flying up not just one day a week. It would become two, three, four. And then he turned around. He's like, oh my God, I missed most of my three-year-old's life. This isn't going to work. I got to move the family up to New York. So that's when it became a lot more real uh, when he moved here and really like took the reins as the everyday in and out CEO. And so you decided to call your business Rebecca Minkoff. And a lot of people will name their brand something that's not their name. Did you think, did you consider naming your brand anything other than Rebecca Minkoff? And why did you choose to name it after you? You know, when I was working for this designer, I said, never again do I want to work as hard as I'm working for someone else if it's not my name. And so that was kind of uh, what I wanted it to be. And I also didn't want to ever have to be like, I'm blah from blah, or have to explain what I did or explain the name of the company. So I thought for me, it was just, I'm Rebecca Minkoff. This is, it's my aesthetic. It's my vision. Um, and that, that would be a lot easier than, you know, having a, a couple different names or something like that. Tell me a little bit about branding, because you can have a really great bag takeoff, but then creating a brand is something totally different. Have you thought about, you know, establishing the Rebecca Minkoff brand and then, you know, as it's grown, really honing in on that and making it known for, I mean, you're known for certain details on your bags that I know people have kind of have probably knocked off and like, but your bags are really kind of iconic. Like they're identifiable when someone's carrying one, you know what that looks like in the same way that you go into a Tory Burch store and there's like gold kind of stuff or Ralph Lauren, you know, when you're seeing, when you're in a Ralph Lauren store, how have you gone about creating such an iconic brand? I think for me, when I launched, it was the time of these it bags with logos all over them. And you'd look at the bag three months later that you thought you had to have and you'd be like, oh, it's so dated. And I never wanted to have a brand that had a product that would feel that way. So for me, instantly, you know, my name was small. It was discreet. It was in the back. And so that meant that the bag really needed to stand on its own for its design and not just here's a really dumb shape and let me put a big sparkly <laughs> piece of hardware on it and then everyone will want it because they'll know it's, you know, I spent this money on it. So it was really about certain details that would become recognizable. A lot of people recognize the flap or the dog hooks or the tassels or our studs. And so as we sort of built the brand, those became a couple of the design codes that we would use to signify um, whether it's a bag or a shoe or a watch or eyewear. Um, we've evolved it. You know, now a lot of the edges are a lot more smoother and rounder and it's not about, you know, as much hardware. 
Um, but I think we always want it to be that you see that dog hook and you know, or you see that tassel, um, and you just come to, to know like, oh, this is a bag that doesn't have a big plaque on it and it seems stylish and it was well designed, then you know, hopefully it's us. So I think, um, you know, we always ask ourselves when we're in the design room, like, does this look like the brand? Does it look, does it have certain codes that still talk back to like what we started with originally? <laughs> 